want to talk to you today about the, the benefits of spirit baptism, and we'll get into uh, quite a list. Uh, since about 1982, I have been studying the things of the Spirit, the operation of the Spirit in our lives, uh, having experienced both the new birth and spirit baptism in 1982, and uh, through the years, directly from Scripture, and then using Scripture as a model, seeing these types of benefits and manifestations happen, I've, uh, I've codified them for you today. So when I get to that part, I want you to, to make a list of these for two reasons. Got a little bit of ring here, guys, going on. Um, two reasons. One, you need to know what's available to you as a child of God. Are you here today? And two, if you're looking at your spiritual life and you don't see these in operation, you now know what to believe God for. Amen. Because it's not just an experience where you babble some little language for a while and that's it. No, it's far more than that. It's very, very important. And we've never needed the Holy Ghost more than we need Him right now. So I want to start over in Luke 24. I'm just going to build this foundation with you again. In uh, verse 45, Then He opened their minds, and they could understand the Scriptures. He told them, This is what is written, The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Now listen carefully to this phrase. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. So Jesus is the sender, but the Father is the promiser. Are you here today? But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Clothed or endued or imparted with power from on high. That word in part simply means to give, to convey, to bestow, to endue, to grant, or to transfer. You and I are the ones receiving the transfer. It is God through the agency of His Son who's actually dispensing with the transfer of the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Paul understood this, and this was a high priority in his ministry. He said to the Romans in chapter 1, verse 11, For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to, that, to the end you may be established. And so what happens is through the baptism of the Holy Spirit and everything that goes with it, it's an establishing factor in our lives. Have you noticed that so many Christians are flaky in America these days? Amen. Four or five over here. I mean, they're all over the map. Inconsistency, not dedicated to Him, not seeking Him, not faithful to the local church, all kinds of things going on. What will happen is you'll find as, as the Spirit of God moves more and more in your life, you're going to be more established, not less established. And that was Paul's heart. You know, I could see Paul finding out there's some more believers in the Roman church, and what he wanted to do is come and lay his hands on them, get them baptized in the Holy Ghost, and see them operating in the things of God as well. We see that desire in, uh, in Philip's ministry when he was ministering in Samaria and great miracles were taking place. Souls were getting saved left and right. And then they sent two apostles down to what? To minister on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's how important it is. We understand the nature of God and His work in our lives involves receiving the Spirit of God at salvation. But then there's another example. There's another experience called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And small religious and denominational wars have been fought over this. And I can tell you this, you always know the devil's gotten involved in the thinking of theologians when the devil tries to strip people of the power that God destined them to have. That's really the bottom line here. 
Um, I can point out to people in this church from all different kinds of backgrounds. I mentioned already that I was raised Lutheran, but we have a lot of Baptists. Everybody say, God bless the Baptists. And there are Methodists and Presbyterians, and there are those that call themselves Unitarians. We had for a while a lady that was from the Brethren background. You name the denomination, we've seen people baptized in the Holy Ghost because this is not for a certain group of people. It's for anybody who's born again. Amen. Say it with me, anybody. Amen. Now say, I'm a body. I'm a well, then it's for you, isn't it? Amen. Amen. So the importance of this cannot be overstated. We see in the Bible in Acts chapter 2, the disciples did wait for the Lord in the upper room, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In Acts chapter 8, the Samaritans received, and the Bible notice, notices this point, that the man who wanted to buy that power made this observation, all of them received the Holy Ghost. Isn't that outstanding? In Acts chapter 9, we find out that Saul of Tarsus becomes Paul after he receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit through the agency of Ananias, who, guess what, didn't want to go. Amen. But he went. How many thank God he went? He went and laid hands on him. And he was healed physically, and great scales fell from his eyes. He was baptized in the Holy Ghost. And we know, according to 1 Corinthians 14, that he not only spoke in tongues, he said, I speak in tongues more than all y'all. So say it with me, all y'all. Now that's a good goal, isn't it? Amen. And yet you have people that will follow Paul's teachings to the letter. We're people of Paul. We believe Paul's teaching. Well, believe Paul's teaching, but also believe Paul's example. Can I have a better amen than that? You find out in Acts chapter 10 that Peter was summoned to Cornelius' house and he preached the gospel. And as he preached, the power of God fell. And those that were saved were also baptized in the Holy Spirit. And what was noticeable about it was it wasn't the Jews this time receiving. Gentiles were receiving the same Holy Ghost. For the Bible says, for we heard them speaking in tongues and glorifying God. Everybody say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. What I'm seeing is you see a pattern in Scripture of saved disciples in Acts 2 receiving the baptism. Saved people in Acts chapter 8 receiving the baptism. A saved Paul receiving the baptism. Saved people at Cornelius' house receiving the baptism. And in Acts chapter 19, the Bible says of the Ephesians' disciples, Paul ran into 12 Ephesian believers, disciples. Everybody say disciples. How you know disciples means they're believers in Jesus Christ? And he asked them, had you received the Holy Spirit, you know, when you believed? He said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. That was my testimony. Well, what did you receive? We received, you know, John's baptism. Well, he explained to them, and then he laid hands on them, and they all spoke in tongues and prophesied. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? The important thing to understand about the baptism is first of all, it is the fulfillment of prophecy in Joel chapter 2 and Jesus' own words according to John chapter 7 where He said, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. As the Scripture has said, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. And this is what John says, This spake he concerning the Holy Spirit which had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. He needed to die and rise from the dead, go back to heaven, and then send forth, of course, the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, we see the same thing, the fulfillment of what was prophesied over in Acts chapter 1, which we'll get to in a minute. Not only is it the fulfillment of prophecy, it is subsequent and separate from salvation. Say this with me. Salvation and the baptism in the Holy Spirit are not the same thing. Subsequent means it happens after you're saved. Say, after you're saved. And separate means it's not the same thing. Amen. Amen. One is where you're saved, and the presence of God testifies to that. The presence of the Holy Spirit testifies to that. 
But the second experience, put it plainly, is power. Say it, power. In other words, there are a lot of people in our country that are saved, but they also need the power. And you know what's going to happen in the end times in our nation? The greatest move of the Holy Ghost we have ever seen. He's not going to care what the denominational background they have. He's not going to care whether they're in school or out of school, at Kroger, at Walmart. It's not going to matter. Amen. You may shop at Kroger, but the Holy Ghost will still show up at Walmart. Amen. And somehow, some way, the Holy Ghost is going to hit every Dollar General store. Amen. That's a, that's a tough one there. Simultaneously. <laughs> Number three, it's a command of God. I want you to dwell on that. God's people, once they're saved, are commanded to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Not a good suggestion, not if you get around to it, but a command of God. It's also a promise to be believed, the promise of the Father. It's a gift, the Bible says, to be received. Everybody say, it's a great gift. <laughs> I know mean, it's a great gift. It's an empowerment to be used to live into ministry in this life. And it's for all who have accepted Christ, Acts 2.39, from the ministry and the preaching of the Apostle Peter. He said, you know what? Everybody that believes now and then in the generation of your kids and then the generation of their kids, as far off as many as our Lord shall call, they all can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Clearly in his mind, separating between salvation and the empowerment of the Holy Ghost. Now, ultimately, there are some things that, that happen to us that, that we recognize when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. But I want you to understand, I'm not talking about experiences. I'm not talking about shouting or dancing or clapping or crying. I'm not talking about groaning under the Spirit. I'm not talking about how that manifests physically. I am talking about things that actually are now available to you and to me because we've received Spirit baptism in our lives. There are great benefits to this, and He's no respecter of persons he wants to see these things in operation in your life. So let's go to, first of all, Acts chapter 1. And again, this is a record of the Apostle Luke of what Jesus did and what he said in his last instructions. You find Acts chapter 1, say, I found it. it. Say, I'm tracking with you. In verse 4, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Shout it out, command. command. Shout it out three times. Command. He gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised which you have heard me speak about. So right in this phrase, we hear the concept of the command, the gift, and the promise all together. Say a command, yeah. a gift, yeah. a promise. And he said, but you have heard me speak about. When did he speak about it? I already told you, back in John chapter 7. He spoke about these things then, and we probably would know that he spoke about them privately as well to them that are not in the record. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. John immersed you in water. You're about to be immersed in the person of the Holy Ghost. Is it important to be immersed in water? Yes, it is. It's important to obey that command. Yes. It's also important to obey the command to be immersed in the person of the Holy Ghost. 
And I'll tell you this, a lot of Christians that are marginal and defeated in their own lives and feel like they just can't get across the finish line, I'm telling you, if you open up your heart to the things of the Spirit, you'll have the power to do what God's called you to do. Amen. He says, then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father is set by his own authority. That's not for you, but what is for you, you will receive power. Come on, shout that word out, power. power. Everybody one more time, say power. power. Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Amen. Alamo, Murray, Callaway County, Kentucky, the United States of America, to the rest of the world. Are you here today? So say it with me again. Say power. So here's what you're going to do. I'm going to talk to you about the supernatural benefits you receive when you accept and receive spirit baptism. Say this with me. They're supernatural. The word used in Acts, power, simply means mighty power or ability. Say it, mighty power or ability. Meaning that a saved person versus a saved person that is baptized in the Holy Spirit, there is a power deficit there. Not by God's will, but whether we receive all that God has for us or not. Uh, if you're saved, you're saved. You're going to be with the Lord one day. Amen. That's a wonderful thing. No one gets baptized in the Holy Spirit that is not saved. So I'm not downplaying salvation. It is the pathway. It is to everything good in our lives. But it's not the same thing as the empowerment. And so you and I, if we're not going to receive the things of the Spirit, we're walking around with less power than we would have if we would receive the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a lot of people, a lot of different backgrounds. Some folks taught against this stuff. Some folks were said, you know, told, you know, taught it was of the devil. Other people just, there was a big blank spot there in their religious training. All I'm telling you is there's an awful lot about the ministry of the Holy Ghost in Scripture. And you and I should reject any teaching of man that tells us there's nothing here about the Holy Ghost that we need to understand and receive. That's right. Because there is. Some people teach it out of ignorance. Some people teach it out of malice. Some people teach it because they're protecting their little herd. Some people doing it because of pride. Some folks doing it because of fear. Let the scripture speak for itself. Jesus told them, you need to wait for the promise of my father. You need to receive this power because even though you're saved, you're not going to get the job done just on your salvation alone. Are you here? In fact, Jesus was baptized in water, and at that time the Holy Spirit descended upon him as a dove. Jesus did nothing miraculous until he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Right. Think about that for a minute. And how many you know Jesus was saved? In other words, he was never lost. But he was empowered with the Holy Spirit. Understand this. When Peter was walking with the Lord, he denied him three times with cussing. Cut off Malchus's ear. How many know, to be in that garden the day when Jesus slapped that ear back on him, don't you think you fall down and repent right then? Amen. Oh, no. Fifty days later, he's the one preaching on Pentecost. He's the one with the fire of God in his belly. He's the one that's not afraid of the same people he was afraid of less than two months before. 
and 3,000 people get saved. How did he change? He changed by the power of the Holy Spirit that came on his life. Saul was a murderer. Saul was a conspirator. You know, Saul was against the church of Jesus Christ. And just like that, an encounter with Christ, a baptism, and the next thing you know, he's planting churches all the way through the territories he's assigned to and walking in great power and great miraculous power. How many you know when someone's in the windowsill and you preach so long they fall out of the windowsill and they die? Now, I think it's only fair if you're going to preach somebody to death, you should have the power to raise them back up again. I thought about perching somebody up there on that balcony rail, but no, not today, amen. <laughs> and here's the funny thing. He raised him back up and just kept on preaching. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's a changed man. See what we changed? You've had your experience as well. You should know this. That the first, and write this down, the first benefit and the first thing you notice about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, receiving the mighty power and that ability, is change. You're receiving power to change. King Saul, when the prophet was looking to raise up a king in the Old Testament, was found hiding in the luggage. Wanted nothing to do with it. Backward, meek, resistant to leadership, but then one day the prophet said, you know what? The Spirit of God is going to come upon you in power, 1 Samuel 10, and you will be changed into a different person. This is the month of impartation. This is the year of transformation. Sure, you didn't think you're going to be transformed without the power of the Holy Spirit operating in your life. No matter how good a Christian you try to be, no matter how you try to be a saved person and live that out, without the power, you cannot change to the degree that you need to change without the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you here today? So I don't want to make sure in, in giving you this list, and there's only 20 of them. <laughs> Welcome to the seminar on the Holy Spirit. We have posted guards at the back door, and you are not leaving until I get through all 20 of them. I am serious about this, that when you start to meditate on this, you should, you should have one conclusion. If today you're saved but not baptized in the Holy Spirit, I don't care who you are, if you will just reach out to Him and ask Him, He will do it in your life. But if you're not and you're sitting here today, when you listen to all the things that come with this experience, you're going to say, I want that, I need that, it's mine in Jesus' name. And you're sitting here today and you've received and thank God you have been saved and thank God you do speak in tongues and thank God you have a relationship and the baptism of the Holy Spirit is in your life. You're going to say, you know what? I noticed four or five things that are not active in my life. I claim them in Jesus' name. They're in the Word. Men and women of God have operated in these things and I want them in my life too. Turn to somebody and tell them, I want them all. Come on, say I want them all. And I'm not telling you this is an exhaustive list. It's just the ones I can tell you that I have watched in my own life and as a minister of the gospel seen time and time again, and I see them modeled in Scripture for you and for me. Say it with me. I need to be saved. And I need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Immersed not in water, but immersed in the person and the character and the power of the Holy Spirit. We're blessed people. I say we are blessed people. Up until about 1911, our nation did not know anything of the Holy Ghost. We had people of faith in the founding of our nation. We had people throughout the country that loved God, but they didn't have any power. But one little old woman from Topeka, Kansas, amen, changed all that. It's just a woman thing, amen. 
if you want a job done right, get a woman. And then you have these guys. <laughs> yeah, you ladies missed a great opportunity. Because I'm not giving you another one, amen? <laughs> I'm moving right along in this one. But you see these, these, you know, these people just preaching that waxing elephant, you know, oh, women can't preach, women can't teach. The whole issue of women is about having a covering to preach and to teach. Having a covering to preach and teach, they should flow with the things God has given them. He will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Last time I checked, women got flesh. Yeah. <laughs> Your sons and daughters will what? Prophesy. Prophesy to speak forth on God's behalf. You know the teaching is hypocritical when a woman cannot teach men, but they can teach little men. Capital H, hypocrisy. If they were consistent and only let women teach little girls and big girls, then I would say that's consistent. But I'm telling you that a boy, amen, is a man that hadn't grown up yet. And some of you ladies are married to boys that have not grown up yet, amen. But that's another sermon. That's not part of this message. But all I'm telling you is apparently this woman was crying out to God. She saw something in Scripture. A saved woman of God, hungry for the things of God, pour out the Spirit of God. Amen. And from there it went throughout the land. Amen. You, you talk about Azusa Street. You talk about the great revivals in our land. It all started with one hungry woman. Amen. It could start with one hungry woman or man today in this room. He's no respecter of persons. Not at all. But I'm just telling you that the first thing that's going to happen is your life is going to be accelerated in change. Yes, you change your salvation. It's accelerated at the point of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. There are a lot of things that, that come with this experience. Nothing greater than the point that he's changed in us. And I can tell you this, that even if it's not always perceptible to you, it's happening because the Holy Spirit is never lazy, even if we are. He is not. <laughs> Here's a sermon. The Holy Ghost is not lazy. <laughs> Number two, power to be an effective witness. Power. You're not doing this by yourself. I have to go out and talk about Jesus, and I'm just no good at it. It's not about your power. It's about his power. You just tell people what God did for you and watch how he will move. The implication here is not just you have power to witness in like a little bubble container. You have the power to witness no matter how adverse the circumstances or the environment. And the American environment is getting tougher all the time. In Canada and on the streets of London, brothers and sisters are being arrested for doing nothing more than saying, God so loved the world. Not for anything more than saying that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Taken away in handcuffs off the streets near Piccadilly Circus in London. What's that all about? I'm telling you that you and I are called and have the power to witness no matter what environment we're in. This gentleman where you saw his testimony about the Holy Ghost, he was 19 years old, made some mistakes, and was incarcerated in jail. 19 years old, he cried out to God. Somebody handed him a Bible. He gave his life to Christ. 
Another man came up to him who's not a Christian. He said, well, have you heard anything about the Holy Spirit? He said, I don't know anything about the Holy Spirit. This is an unsaved man telling a saved man about the Holy Spirit. The short of it is, the man he was telling him about the Holy Spirit did get saved. They both got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And that man is now the second highest officer in the Northern California District in the Assemblies of God. Don't tell me because you made mistakes. God can't turn it around. But I'll tell you this, the baptism has a lot to do with the turnaround in our lives. Amen. In other words, in jail, God can use you. He can give you the power. Overseas, He can use you. At work, He can use you. At Thanksgiving dinner, dear God, can He use you? Amen. <laughs> Number three, power to live the Christian life. Power to live it out. To be dedicated. To be wholehearted. To be a holy child of God. Amen. To live right. To think right. To talk right. There's power to do these things. I got to do this on my own. If I could just serve God, I could just be holy. You're not supposed to do it all by yourself. Draw on the power that is in you by the Holy Spirit to live right. You'll literally sense His power coming on you when you feel tempted to do something you shouldn't be doing as a child of God. And not only does the Holy Ghost convict you after you do it, the Holy Ghost will what? Preemptively strike and tell you, don't do it before you do it. That's who you have living on the inside of you. We just need to do a better job listening to him. When he says no, no means no. How many parents have ever told a child that? No means no. When you hear him tell you that, he's trying to protect you. Number four today. And you're all going to help me with this list? Because you know eventually I'll stop numbering correctly and you'll be so frustrated. There'll be a line up here after service. What was number 17? What was number 18? And then I'll start making stuff up. So, <laughs> Just seeing if you're listening today. <laughs> number four, the power to speak in tongues. Power to, to pray in a language you didn't learn. Theologically, we call this the initial physical evidence. There are many spiritual evidences of spirit baptism, but the initial physical is that you speak in a language you never learn. And while God can certainly make it to be heard as an understandable language in the earth somewhere, it is an angelic or heavenly language. It does not necessarily make sense to anyone on the planet that God gave that to you. And he's no respect to a person. It's power. I'm not going to go into much detail on this one because I'm going to give you at least one whole message on this. Why? Because it's that important the day we live in. But nonetheless, in Acts chapter 2, they spoke in tongues. In Acts chapter 8, we don't know what happened, but something caught the attention of a man that was willing to pay money for it. We don't know what happened exactly in terms of how Paul received and what his life was like at that moment and the narrative about him receiving the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. But we do know in 1 Corinthians 14, he was a proficient speaker of tongues. Amen. Sang in the Spirit, prayed in the Spirit. That was his life. We do know in Acts chapter 10, they received the Holy Ghost and they received what? A prayer language. They received tongues with it. We do know the Ephesian believers in Acts chapter 19, same thing, got what? Got baptized in the Holy Ghost and began to speak in tongues. Look at your neighbor, poke him and say, that's what we call a biblical narrative pattern. And it be not there by accident. Amen. 
You say, what were you taught as a Lutheran? Absolutely nothing about these things. But to be honest with you, I'm happy about that. Because my slate wasn't filled with a bunch of fear-based, amen, anti-supernatural, anti-Holy Ghost teaching. Some of you were exposed to that, and it's the very reason why it's difficult for you to receive. Because you were baptized in unbelief when we came to these things. Amen? No. These are for all His people. Say it with me. Speak it in tongues. The power to speak in tongues. Number five, power for hunger for the things of God. One of the things that happens, and I've seen this in every person I've ever laid hands on, and it happened in my life, is you develop a voracious hunger to be in the Word of God. When you're baptized in the Holy Ghost and you're staying filled, you're hungry for the Word. When you begin to get away from the Word as a Spirit-filled believer, you know you need a fresh infilling. Can I have a better amen than that? And so what happens is, you know, this just hunger and desire. I mean, you, you go through the Word of God. You're marking your Bible up. I mean, you're reading. You're, you're just highlighting stuff. Next thing you know, the whole Bible's highlighted because you're, you're so hungry. Amen. You've written so much in your Bible, amen, it just starts to bleed through the pages. And you don't care because God's talking to you as you're reading and studying your Word of God. <gasps> oh, I can't write in the Bible that holy thing. I'll tell you what you do. You go down to Walmart. And you get your Bible that you can mark in and put that other one in a glass case. Because it's the one you're reading and interacting with is the one that's helping you. Are you here today? Say it with me. Hungry. Hungry for the things of God. No exceptions. When you're spirit baptized, well, you're hungry. You want more. Turn to somebody and tell them, I want more. I want more. I want more. Come on, shout it out. I want more. Number six, power for boldness and confidence. Paul said it to Timothy, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of what? But of power and of love and of a sound mind. Say it again, say power. That's what God has given to you and to me. And what happens is you'll find that you'll be bolder than you've ever been before, more courageous than you've ever been before. You'll speak up when before you wouldn't have said anything. And we need people right now in this nation to speak up. Say it with me, say boldness. That's not just for a few people. Every spirit-filled believer should become more bold than they were before they received. You say, if you're still timid and weak and, and walking around feeling like you're less than everybody else, you just need a fresh dose of the Holy Ghost. I want to point this out to you. Regardless of what you may have been taught theologically, Peter was a saved man on the day that he rejected Christ. When Jesus is talking to him at the end of John, he's actually saying to him, when you have been reconverted, when you have been established, when you have turned from your disobedience, encourage or strengthen your brothers. Why do I bring this up to you? Because something happened in his life. He was a saved man, a believer, but something happened when the power came on him. Think about this. One minute he's a cussing and the next minute he's a preaching. Some of y'all did that this morning on your way to church. Uh, <laughs> getting them kids ready, bless God. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Did it again. I've been to cussing, none of my praise of the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> the point is that uh, we become bold. <laughs> How many of y'all remember when you had to take a class in speech? Some point in life, maybe in high school, maybe as a freshman in college, whatever. 
I was a freshman in high school, Carbondale Community High School, and I had to give a speech, a demonstration speech. And the, the very deep speech that I gave was how to make a stamp out of half of a potato. And I went as easy as I could possibly go. I made it a D. Just carve out the outside, the inside, they're good to go. I'm not kidding you. That's all I had to do was do a demonstration speech for about two or three minutes. I thought I was going to die. <laughs> you are looking at the most unlikely person in the world to ever step into a pulpit. You say, well, I, I, don't know that per- I don't know that person either because the person that was like that died, first of all, in salvation. But then the power of the Holy Ghost overcame me and made me, for lack of a better way to explain it, it's more like my mother. <laughs> um, there you go. <laughs> but I'll never attain to such heights. <laughs> we were going down Highway 13, just east of Marion, headed towards the swimming pool, and Deputy Sheriff ran us off the road. Ran us off the road. I was on the right-hand side, of course. Mom was about five or six years old, something like that. And uh, she was driving. And um, when she did finally stop the car, you know what I did? I sailed forward into the dashboard. It's, it's amazing that any of us have any mental health at all that grew up in that generation. <laughs> Oh, seat belts. <laughs> the seat belt was hit the brake and then stick your arm out. And I hope mama's arm is faster than hitting the windshield. <laughs> oh, most people say, well, thank, thank God that we're safe. Everything's fine. Oh, no. No, no, no. We're going to drive after the deputy and pull him over. And all I can remember, are you crazy? You could have killed me and my son. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I thought he was going to hand her the handcuffs and put it in my face. I say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. I do. I say that everybody needs the Holy Ghost. Maybe she got too big of a dose. I don't know what the case is. But say it with me, bold. Say it with me, bold and courageous. That's what happens when you receive spirit baptism. It just absolutely changes you. Amen. What number are we on? I'm still with you. Number seven, power for open eyes. Any greater discernment. I wasn't saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost uh, three days and uh, graduated from high school. Went to, uh, you know, a friend of mine's uh, you know, house for a graduation party. Everybody was there, and you could imagine what was there. And it was actually a small town just north of uh, Carbondale. And the man that owned the house was a peace officer, and he said that you all drink what you want to, but if you leave the property, I'm going to have you arrested. So I guess that was his way of trying to justify what he was allowing on his property, and that's what everybody was doing. And I'm sitting there, and I drive up, and my 1967 cherry red Mustang 351 Cleveland, the fastest and loudest car in town. Amen. Speaking of Pentecost, when I turned my car on, it spoke in tongue. Bu, 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 I mean, it was a great car. <laughs> Wish I'd have kept that car. <laughs> so I get out of the car, and somebody immediately hands me a red party cup, you know, with whatever they had on draft right there. And I'm watching this play out. Then a friend of mine that I uh, had, you know, spent a lot of time with actually years ago, 
Uh, he'd taken cocaine, I believe it was, and he was already drunk. He jumped into their pool and he didn't come up. And so, you know, somebody jumped in there and pulled him out of it. This was the kind of thing that was going on. I'm watching this happen, but I've never seen it through the eyes of a spirit-filled believer before. I never saw what I saw today. That darkness at that level of ignorance. And I wasn't there that I was not in a position to be Mr. Win my class to Jesus Christ. Didn't know anything, had nothing. All I knew was at that moment in time, this was not the scene that I should be in. And just kind of like that, it just, just slipped, that glass just slipped right through my hand, fell to the ground. I got in my car and it drove off. I mean, that was that. But I'm telling you, I saw things. Now, the man that uh, was at that party that night is, is named Brian. Now, Brian, over time, gave his life to the Lord, got baptized in the Holy Ghost, and he goes to one of the wildest churches in southern Illinois. Amen. Praise God. God's working. I went to my high school, my 10-year high school reunion years ago, and it was, uh, of course, it was going to be in a bar and grill, emphasize the word bar, and then we all gathered there. And uh, when I graduated high school, I had blonde hair, I was 5'11", and I was not saved. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, three days before I graduated, I finally get right with God. So I showed up at this 10-year reunion, <laughs> and uh, two of my closest friends were sitting there by the bar with a Michelob in their hand, and uh, I walk up and say, how you doing? They said, it's nice to see you. What are you doing? Uh, I'm a pastor in Hopkinsville. And just like this, they just turned and walked off. It was just, that was the end of the conversation. I'm like, I didn't make fun of their beer or nothing. I just turned. You know what I'm saying? It had nothing to do with it. It was just boom. And um, there's a girl named, I think her name was, was Jolene. And every day of seventh grade language arts, she tormented me. I leaned back in my school chair like this. And then she kicked the side of it. And I go just like that. And I jump up, ready to take your head off. And I remember Mama saying, we don't hit women. <laughs> and she would do this repeatedly. And uh, everybody, every, say everybody. everybody. Everybody at that place just looked at me like I had three heads. You can just hear, I just a preacher. Did you hear that? I just a preacher. I walk in the back room and here's this girl. I just heard you're a pastor. Oh, here we go. You want me to sit down so you can kick the chair out from under me again? She goes, I think that's the most outstanding thing I've heard this entire night. That's awesome. The biggest bit of encouragement I got, the only bit of encouragement I got was from the seat kicker. And I couldn't stay. They had a banquet the next night and they were giving out awards. And uh, I found out later on that uh, I won the war for the most changed. And I don't believe it was because my hair was now brown and I was now six foot five. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Say bolder, bolder. Courageous. courageous, eyes open, eyes open. power to have your eyes open. Number eight, power for revelation of the word of God. Not only are you be hungry for the word, you're going to have greater revelation than you've ever had before. Yes, we go to church, and yes, God reveals things to you, but the same Holy Ghost that's here today goes home with you today. When you open up the word, the teacher is with you to understand 
what the word actually means and how you apply it to your life. What I'm telling you is it's not just why well, I speak in tongues now. You should be expecting greater revelation in your life every single day. Not just when you go to church, not just when you have a, a special inspiration, but every day receiving from the Word of God like the Holy Spirit was literally sitting next to you to instruct you. He's closer than sitting next to you. He's on the inside of you. Amen. Amen. And can I tell you something? When you do get a revelation, don't go around saying, boy, am I smart? Because it's not you. Number nine, power for keeping and preserving. You will find out that the baptized in the Holy Ghost have opened up a door for God to have access to keep you and preserve you even more. Amen. And it may be just as simple as giving you a warning when you need it. Are you here today? Amen. Do you know that God has dispatched angelic powers on your behalf to protect and to keep you? Amen. And you can confess protection. Say it, I confess, I confess. protection. Protection, supernatural, Psalm 91 protection. Let's say you confess that 10 times a day. You get up in the morning, you've been praying in the Holy Ghost for half an hour, and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost tells you, don't go to work this way, go to work over here this way. And if you obey, you avoid whatever was there. If you don't, you run right into it. There were hundreds upon hundreds of testimonies on 9-11 of born-again, spirit-filled Christians who heard the Holy Ghost say, don't go to work today. Don't go eat breakfast over here. Don't ride the train today. Do this. And one guy got off the train from New Jersey, one of the members of a, a spirit-filled church in, in Manhattan where they actually you know, are involved in the stock trade and everything like that, and Dan Stratton's church. And he actually was moving out of the car, going up towards the ramp to go towards where his workplace, and he heard the Holy Ghost say, run. And he ran. And his life was preserved because of it. Story after story after story after story. You say, what happens if the Holy Ghost says run and you ignore him? Then all the confession of Psalm 91 won't mean anything. The confession of the Psalm 91 will prompt you to be in a position for the Holy Ghost to tell you when something's not right. Yes. Believers have been told not to get on a certain plane. Believers have been told not to go to a certain town. Believers have been told not to do certain things. And when they will listen, he is preserving and protecting them by the Holy Ghost. And we think, it was just about speaking in tongues. Yeah, that's part of it. But I'm going to tell you what, if God saves your life because he prompted you to do something differently, how I many you know that's important too? See, it will be length of days and strength of days. Aren't you glad you're open? Raise your hand and say, I'm open to the fullness of the Holy Ghost. Number 10. Really, Pastor? <laughs> Power for the tangible presence of God. You walk around with a God in you consciousness. You're never alone. Anybody ever hear a scripture that says, never will I leave you? Never will I forsake you? How many of you know that? When you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, you'll know it from scripture. You know it in your heart. You also know it by presence. You don't ever have to live a day of your life without the presence of God in your life. The importance of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Are you starting to get a feel that I could actually do a series on each one of these? 
Stay focused. Number 11, power for healing. Mental, emotional, physical. It means you receiving healing through that baptism, but you also being used of God through that baptism. They shall lay hands on the sick. And they what? They shall recover. Amen. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man makes great power available. You know what America needs right now? They need the power of the Holy Ghost. They need Christians who will tell people, I know you've got a problem emotionally. I know you've got a problem mentally. I know you deal with discouragement. I know you deal with depression. There doesn't seem to be any reason why. There's nothing rational about this. There's a spiritual entity going on. I know a God who will heal you in Jesus' name. And all of a sudden, you've been praying in the Holy Ghost. And the boldness is there. And the knowledge is there. The mandate is there. The courage is there. And you lay hands on them and life has changed because you were baptized in the Holy Ghost. Number 12, power for fire, which means zeal. Said, I'm on fire. I am zealous. I am fervent for the Lord. A few weeks ago, the Lord spoke to me about you, and he told me that he was going to fire kiss every one of you. So pucker up. Amen. Every single one of you on fire. How many know you can tell if you're on fire? You can tell when it's kind of gone out. God wants every person in this ministry on fire for God. It's not just the baptism in the Holy Ghost. It's the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. Amen. Number 13, the power for changed priorities. Even saved people have a lot of flesh-ordered priorities in life. That's a good place to say amen. When you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, you begin to have spiritual priorities. Spirit-directed priorities. You do what you're supposed to do, but God's not at the bottom of the list. Amen. His will, His purpose, His design is at the top of that list for you. I've watched this over and over again. Take somebody who's saved, get them baptized in the Holy Ghost, and wham, priorities change. If your priorities are still carnal, you need another dose. Come on, say it out loud. I want another dose of the Holy Ghost. One baptism, multiple fillings. How many can I have? Is there a special on those at Kroger? You can have as many fillings of the Holy Ghost as you want. Number 14, power for vision. I don't have to go very far in Scripture to show you that Joel really personifies this. With the baptism, with the outpouring, comes an inner image of an eager expectation. Something that will drive you and direct you from the inside out because of the power of God in your life. You don't have to make things up. You don't have to live your life without vision and a sense of purpose. He'll give it to you. Say that with me. The Holy Ghost gives vision to spirit-filled believers. You say, well, I knew so-and-so. He did a great thing worldwide, and I don't know that he was spirit-filled. That's just the point. A lot of people that are doing worldwide things for God across denominational lines were, in fact, spirit-filled, were tongue-talkers. They just never talked to you about it. There's no way they would have accomplished the things they accomplished without God's power. That just wasn't a major point of their ministry. Amen. 
you don't have one today, God can give you a vision. If you lost a vision, he can restore a vision. If you had the wrong vision, he can give you the right vision. It comes with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Number 15, the power for operating in the gifts of the Spirit, the nine manifestational gifts of the Spirit. You should be believing God to use you in any and all of them. Desire spiritual gifts, the Bible says. There's no time for go, to go through this, but you read 1 Corinthians 12 and you'll find out that all of those are actually supercharged when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Let me put you this way. This isn't original to me. Kenneth Hagin taught this for years. That the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the gateway experience into the gifts of the Spirit. If you want to operate in these, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean that God can't use somebody who's not baptized. I'm just simply telling you the, the multiplicity of the gifts, you know, God using you in a plurality of gifts, you know, it's because of that baptism in the Holy Ghost. Now, I don't know about you, but I appreciated what God spoke through Jim today. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And the word that was given to Wilma before the service even started, everybody say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Now, I went to the Lutheran church for 17 years, never heard one of those. I'm telling you, it's important. There's what we plan to say by the Spirit of God, and the teaching element is so critical today in the body of Christ. But the Holy Ghost has something to say, and He ought to be allowed to say it. And it's baptizing the Holy Ghost people who are more likely to yield to that. Amen. And not just that, but all the gifts. I perceive in this room that something's going to sit down on some of you that's going to be a specific area of gift of healing. And wherever you go, people with that disease are going to get healed in Jesus' name. There's going to be something. You're going to become Holy Ghost specialists. Can you receive that today? It's not gift of healing. It's gifts of healing. Amen. Some of y'all are going to become cancer specialists and joint specialists and heart specialists. You're going to baffle the world in medicine with the power of God operating through you. But it happens through this gateway. The night I was baptized in the Holy Ghost, I saw... Rockets firing, I saw planes taking off, dropping bombs, I saw conflict, I saw warfare. The next day I got up and I saw the news about what was going on in Lebanon. Just like that. Everything I saw that night in the spirit, everything I saw on television the next morning. So can God do that in your life? Yes. And he's no respecter of persons. I mean, come on now, if he'd use Peter. Huh? Why? He loves Peter. And he can do something as dramatic in your life if you'll let him. Number 16, power for the fruit of the Spirit. Can you believe that I'm already on number 16? And it's only 1.30. We're doing really well right here. So. All I want to say about this is that how many believe we should be walking in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, etc.? You will find that if you will get baptized in the Holy Ghost and stay filled, you will exude more of the fruit of the Spirit. Sometimes Pentecostals, Charismatics emphasize the gifts and not the fruit. I'm telling you, it's not supposed to be one or the other. You should excel in both of these. Say it with me, the fruit and the gifts. There's nothing worse for somebody running around talking in tongues and treating people terrible. Balling people out of the store, acting like a, like a fool. Amen? Say it with me, the gifts... And the fruit. 
The Spirit-baptized believers should be operating, amen, and growing in both. Number 17, this is everybody's favorite, the power for increased conviction. I got news for you that once you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, conviction doesn't go down. Conviction goes up in your life. It's not negative, it's positive to show you where you need to go. It's, it's giving you sensitivity of heart. That's a powerful thing. That's a great thing of heart. Paul is talking to the Ephesians and he said they've lost sensitivity of heart. Lost all sensitivity. We don't want to go that way. We want to go the way of gaining sensitivity in our lives. Say it's sensitive. And so, you know, you get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Some things that maybe were permitted for you, you know, before you were baptized, suddenly the Holy Ghost says... Is that okay? How many willing to give up to go up? Come on, say it. I'm willing to give up to go up. And it's not going to be the same thing for everybody here. We're at different places and seasons and different responsibilities and we're called. And everybody's never going to be on the same page at the same time. The Spirit of God is not just working on what we used to be. He's working on what He wants us to become. Aren't you glad? For the Holy Ghost. Yes. Power for increase in conviction. Number 18, power for greater guidance and direction. There is, in fact, instruction that if we heed, we can take ourselves to a place of victory or take our, ourselves to a place where God uses us in a more powerful way. When you need direction, when you need guidance, when you need to make a decision, guess what? He has all knowledge. The Holy Ghost is God, He's all powerful. He is all-knowing. And guess what? He's in you. Number 19, power for wisdom. Not just a piece of knowledge, but knowing what to do. The Bible says when we pray in the Spirit, we pray mysteries. Do you know that God can give you the uncovering of that mystery? Did you know it starts here, but all He has to do is move it up to here. That's not very far to go to get the wisdom of God. The Bible says, if any of you lack wisdom, do what? Ask. Ask. You pray in the Holy Ghost and all of a sudden the Spirit of God has given you the wisdom. Wisdom is not, oh, here's a piece of knowledge. Wisdom is what to do. How to fix that thing. How to take care of that problem. And not just in some biblical context, but in, in your life. Whatever's going on, there's something that needs, needs fixing. Something that is broken, the Spirit of God can give you the counsel to fix it. Turn to somebody and tell them, I'm a Holy Ghost fixer. Hallelujah. And number 20, was that the angelic choir breaking out behind me? <laughs> Hallelujah chorus about the sound here. This is just the first set of 20. So don't <laughs> Power over demonic forces. Spirit-filled believer has authority over demon powers and forces and influences. And don't forget it. Yes. All sort of spiritual activity that's not submitted to him must submit to you. They got a taste of that in Luke 10, Matthew 10. They came back and they said, we're so excited. Even the demons submit to us in your name. He said, that's great, but be thrilled that your names are written where? Snore that you have authority. Be excited that your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's what's really great. But nonetheless, you have authority over those things. Whether they manifest or not, or whether they show up in places of fear or anxiety. I tell you, God wants to use the body of Christ to wipe anxiety out of the body of Christ. 
to wipe it out. Amen. It's tormenting. Many times its origin is demonic. And God wants you free. Yes. Devil has no business manifesting in your house, in your bedroom, in your kids, in your grandkids. He has no business messing with your life. You have the authority. You have the power. You're spirit filled. I'm telling you that the, a lot of things go undone because we just don't know the depth of what was deposited in us when we received the Holy Ghost. I had a goose bump and a warm, fuzzy feeling, and I spoke in tongues. That's great. You're just now at the starting gate. Right. Power over demonic forces. I saw a young lady in the middle of the night full-blown, drug addict. She was a narc for the police department in my hometown. She worked for my mom. And I saw her lunge at my mom. And all I remember my mom doing is, that's where Tammy got the bony finger from, pointing at her and saying, in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, I grew up seeing some things. <laughs> it's a miracle, bless God. <laughs> and I remember her literally going flat up against the wall, couldn't so much as move her pinky. And you know how big mom is. This girl was about four to five times that size at that time. I mean, if she had blown on mom, mom would have wilted. <laughs> but I'm telling you, in the name of Jesus, the spirit-filled believer has what? Has power. We have authority over these things. And we need to exercise them more and more and more. Um, you say, we don't, we don't have a lot of demons in America right now. Um, we don't, why would you bring that up? I, mean, you know, I don't I want nothing to do with that. You don't think it's not a demon telling a five-year-old boy that he's a girl. You really don't think that? You, you really don't think it's not a demon inspiring the mockery of Jesus Christ on the cross outside Dodger State. You think that's just something that a rational mind came up with? You want to see him foam at the mouth? Lift up the name of Jesus in the midst of that stuff. I'm telling you that it's no longer about tolerate. Amen. And it's not even about celebrate anymore. It's about advocate. And you were called, amen, to celebrate and advocate the name of Jesus. And you spirit-filled believers are the devil's worst nightmare because you're immovable, always abounding in the things of God. You're not going to shut up. You're not going to sit down. You're not going to go away. Spirit-filled believers will be the ones that stand up to this nonsense. And it needs to be. I mean, when Bill Maher, who I have almost nothing in common with, is espousing wisdom on this issue, tapping into somehow the wisdom of God, and he says, I thank God this wasn't around when I was a little boy. He said, I wanted to be a pirate. Thank God my parents didn't poke my eye out and cut my leg off. Five-year-old doesn't even know if he wants a hot dog or a mac and cheese. 
But he's going to make this life-altering decision. And now there are states that want to actually prosecute parents for not allowing a child to have gender-affirming care. It's not gender-affirming care. It's gender-destroying care. That's the real child abuse. There'll be a time when they say what is right is wrong and what is wrong is right. You should be prosecuting the parents for being so stupid. Not because they won't allow their child to be cut on or their hormones to be blocked. That's right, Pastor. You give it to them. Bless God, you lift your, your voice. You're missing the point. This sermon is not about me speaking up. It's about y'all speaking up. And how? By the Holy Ghost. So I can never do that. You'd be surprised what will happen when the Holy Ghost comes on you in the right moment. To stand for what is true. Amen. Just 10, 15 years ago, there were two clinics that were in charge of adolescent transition and care. Now there are hundreds of them all over the country. Pastor, how did that happen? I'm just going to tell it to you as it is because our government decided to fund this kind of care to destroy the lives of our kids. Your kids are under attack. Your generation is under assault. How does that happen? Because demons are real. But greater is he. I said greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And you're spirit-filled. You're tongue-talkers, but you're just not tongue-talkers. You operate in all of the things we said this morning. And then some. You are not a failure going to happen. Amen. You're a success going to happen. You born again, spirit-filled believer. When you get up in the morning, the devil says, she's up again. And some of you are getting up thinking, oh no, here we go again. Oh, how terrible life's going to be. Oh, gee, here I am. What's going to happen wrong today? No, you got it all wrong. You are the spirit-filled believer. Say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Spirit of God. Said, I am saved. I am baptized in the Holy Ghost. And if you're not, all you have to do is ask. Amen. You got to be saved. Amen. Amen. You have to thirst for more. You have to ask. You have to receive. It's that simple. And he is no respecter of persons. The Bible says it's not, you don't ask him for one thing and get another. He doesn't do the switcheroo. Tell somebody he doesn't do the switcheroo. He's the same to all. He found me, a 17-year-old kid about to graduate from high school. In Carbondale, Illinois. Can anything good come from Carbondale, Illinois? <laughs> Don't tell me it's just for certain special people. They had to be in a certain church or a certain denomination. No, you just have to want what Jesus told them to wait for. Amen. So I'm going to pray for you all as, as a group. If you would just stand to your feet. Let's give him a big hand clap and let's thank him.